So I was in the car yesterday with my oldest son, and he was kindly asking me what I was preaching on today. And I started to talk about Exodus 24 and what it was about. And his response was something along the lines of, have you thought about talking about something that's really relevant <laughs> to people's <laughs> lives? And then he went on to list a couple different hot topics about what about this, what about this, what about this? And as I was thinking about uh, that comment and what I'm trying to do here this morning before you all is uh, one of the reasons why we, we don't just skip over passages like this or we go into these words that were written thousands of years ago is because we believe they have great value to us. And this passage in particular, while it may seem very strange on the surface, it's actually getting us closer to what is the very heart of the gospel. So if you have no understanding of what the Christian faith is about and what the Bible is about, the big picture could be summed up in this simple way. You have the story of God's good creation, of what went wrong, and of what God is doing to make things right. That's, that's basically the heart of it. But in, when you think about all that has gone wrong and the various works that God is doing to make it right, those works look a lot of different ways. But there is a heart to this work. There is a center to this work that God is doing of repair, of making things Right, And at the center of it, you could say, is this work of God bringing a people back into a life-giving relationship with Himself. That's at the very heart of this message and this book and even of this passage. That's what the book of Exodus is about and that's what the whole Bible is about. The whole work of God is centered around, you could say, a work of reconnection of connecting what has been separated. And so of all the things that we want in life, of all the things that we need in life, there is no greater good and there is no greater gift that God could give to us than to make this work of reconnection happen. That is good news and that is the work that God is doing and throughout the Bible, this work of reconnection of us back into this life that we were made for is spoken of with the language of covenant. Covenant is not a word that we use very often in our everyday lives, but if you read through the Bible, it is one of the biggest themes that you will encounter. In the Old Testament, over 300 times covenant is talked about, and that's just times where the actual word is being used. It's so much of the heartbeat of the Bible. I want you to think about Jesus' last night with His disciples. He's sharing this meal with them, and He takes this cup of wine, and He offers it to His disciples, and He says this to them. He says, this is the cup poured out for you. This is the new covenant in My blood. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, all the things that I have come to do for you, all that I have come to be for you, everything that I am can be summed up in this. I have come to make a new covenant between you and the Father. That's the heart of it. 
in this passage before us, what we're seeing is one of the most momentous and important occasions in the life of the people of Israel. This is a big deal. You could say this is like a wedding ceremony between them and God. It's a significant moment that is looked back on a number of times. The way that we can describe this event and this coming together is Old Covenant. This is what is described as the Old Covenant, this old bond. And so what you see here is as the Bible unfolds, there is this break between God and humanity. And this work that we are witnessing in the establishment of this covenant with Israel is a significant step forward in a reconnection between God and His people. And in that sense, it is very good news. It is movement to repair what has been broken. It is movement to reconnect what has been lost, to give people life. But as the Bible unfolds, what we see also is this movement is not enough. It leaves something wanting. Something more needs to be done. And that is what Jesus has come to do in saying, I have come to make a new covenant. I am furthering this work of connection. Bringing you even closer into this life-giving relationship with God. And so in our journey through Exodus, as we arrive at Mount Sinai and this covenant formation, we want to explore what's happening here, but we want to do so with an eye more towards how it points us to Jesus, because none of us in here live in this old covenant. It's not us. And so my my encouragement to you is not, I want you to live more faithfully in this covenant agreement that God made with Moses and the people of Israel. The message is, live more in this new covenant that Jesus has made and all of its benefits and what it means and why it's better. And so this morning I want to highlight three simple ways in which this new covenant that Jesus is forming with us is better. What we're going to see is that Jesus forms a deeper bond, a stronger bond, and a closer bond. So deeper bond, stronger bond, closer bond. And along the way, hopefully, what it all means for us. So first, we are given the gift of a deeper bond. With any covenant arrangements, what you have is two different parties coming together. So this past weekend, I was able to be in Chicago to officiate the wedding of a dear friend, John and Debbie. Congratulations on your new marriage. And it was wonderful to be able to stand before them, a part of a beautiful day and beautiful ceremony, and witness the exchanging of vows, where these two pledge their love to one another, to love and to cherish, better for worse, richer for poor, sickness and in health. And they ended it by saying, this is my solemn vow. And what was clear to everybody was that this is a very serious and momentous occasion. They are entering into a covenant where both have certain responsibilities towards one another. In this covenant that is being formed between God and the people, it's it's not an equal covenant like that. There's different roles. So in this covenant that's being formed here in Exodus, God is pledging to be their God, to be the one who cares, to be the one who provides, to be the one who protects, to be the one who guides. 
And the people are receiving that and they are saying, we are pledging to be people who love, to be people who follow, to be people who trust and people who obey. So you look at verse 3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. In other words, God is saying, this is how you are to live as my people who have been brought out of slavery and who I am bringing into a land of great abundance. I'm for you that we've seen that week after week. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. This is Israel exchanging their vows and saying, we will. For better, for worse, sickness, health, richer, for poor. This is our solemn vow. We will be your people. We will live faithfully in this covenant. But as the story unfolds, what we are going to see is this newly formed relationship that is very beautiful, is very lopsided. God is going to be faithful and constant every step of the way to keep His Word to His people. But the same is not going to be able to be said for this people whom God has covenanted Himself to. So think about it this way. Right after 24... As Moses, after Moses goes up and spends these 40 days and 40 nights with God, the people go back down. This is just days after they have said these wholehearted I do's to God. What we find is that they get restless. They don't know what's happened to Moses. They don't know what's happened to God. And so they come up with a brilliant idea. Let's make up a new God. We're going to form this God out of gold and we are going to worship it and offer sacrifices to it. Um, so much for this covenant of faithfulness. So much for sickness, health, better for worse. All it takes is just a little bit of time and their hearts have already gone astray. And so what we see from the very beginning in this old covenant is something more is needed. What they need and what we need is not just God's guiding voice but we need God's transforming power. So when I was in Chicago, we did a tour of, of the city and learned a lot of interesting things. Um, one of the things is Chicago is on a river and on Lake Michigan. And so you have this river that's flowing through the city. And a, a long time ago, this was in the 1800s, the, the people noticed a significant problem that over the years what had happened is more and more as development happened, more and more pollution would come down the river and would empty out into Lake Michigan and more and more disease. And um, it would all empty out into this, into this lake. And this lake was their source of fresh drinking water. And so this created a huge health dilemma for these people. And they wondered, what can we do to try to solve this? And so they came up with all sorts of different plans. One was to try to bring in water from even farther along uh, out of the city. But but someone came up with a pretty radical idea that actually worked. And I'm not going to get into the physics or engineering of all this because I don't myself understand it. And I even watched a little video about it. But through a feat of engineering and years of intense labor, they found a way to reverse the entire flow of this river so that it no longer flows into the lake bringing pollution and disease, but now what happens is this fresh water from the lake is brought in through the city. 
what you see is a complete change of flow. As you think about what is needed in the life of God's people, it's not just more advice and more direction. Their hearts, as we see, are flowing constantly away from God. And what they need is their hearts to flow towards Him and for His life to flow inside of them in a new way. When God spoke long ago through the prophet Jeremiah, listen to how this new covenant is talked about. Jeremiah 31, God says, In these days I will put my law into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. This new and better work that Jesus comes to do is not just telling us more how we ought to live, but it's helping get inside of us and change our hearts to see God for who He really is and to genuinely trust and desire and follow. And the question that we face is what is the flow of our hearts? When you think about your thoughts, your desires, your actions, your habits, where are they flowing? Do you find yourself flowing constantly away from God as the source of life? Or do you find yourself being pulled in and flowing towards Him? I love these words from Psalm 63, which I think capture what a heart flowing towards God looks like. The psalmist says, God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul it thirsts for You, and my flesh it faints for You like a dry and weary land where there is no water. Because Your steadfast love is better than life itself, my lips will praise You. Are you living in and out of this deeper bond? Which brings us to the second way this, this bond is better. It is a stronger bond. So when two parties are at odds with one another, a mediator will be brought in to help. And in her lifetime, not, not just anyone could approach the queen at any time. And not everyone could have a relationship with a queen. And even fewer could have a familial and close relationship with the queen. During her life, access to her was very limited. What you see in Exodus 24 here at the beginning is there is a, a bridge opening up between heaven and earth where we are brought into the very throne room of God. So look at verse 9. It says, Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under His feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. He didn't lay His hand on them. They beheld God, and they ate and drank. This, this Something good is happening here. God is taking a step, bringing some of the people closer to Him in a very specific way way. So it's good. And there's things we want to highlight there, but also it's very limited here. Access is limited to a certain people in a certain kind of way. It leaves us wanting more. It's a far cry from the kind of closeness and intimacy that was at the garden that was lost. But God's doing something to bring closer. Now I want you to imagine um, during the queen's life, if, if Prince Charles, her, her son, is able to come to you and say, I am going to make you a part of this family. 
I'm going to give you a kind of access to the queen that you've never had before. So I'm bringing you in as a, as a part of this family. And what I'm going to do as prince and as son of the queen is I'm going to share my title with you. I'm going to share my wealth with you. I'm going to share my access to the queen with you. I'm going to share my relationship to the queen so that all that I have and am in relationship with this person is now going to be shared with you. Even as I explain that, it sounds strange because it, we know that intuitively that this can't happen. Life doesn't work that way. But that's exactly what Jesus does for us with the Father. Jesus, in this perfect, close, intimate, eternal relationship with the Father, where the Father looks at the Son and says, with you I'm well pleased, my perfect and beloved Son. Jesus has come to bring us into that relationship. Jesus is sharing His status as firstborn Son. He is sharing His wealth. He is sharing His resources. He is sharing His perfect access to the Father. That is what He is giving to us. Verse 24 in this New Testament passage. Christ appears in the presence of God on our behalf. He has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Jesus, in offering up Himself, offers up a once for all sacrifice to break down every barrier that is between us and the Father. And here's what that means for us. We have a kind of access that we didn't have before. We have a kind of intimacy we didn't have before. And we can have a kind of confidence that we didn't have before. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy places, how? By the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way opened for us, let us draw near with a true heart Full assurance of faith. Boldness. Access. Confidence. So often throughout the Psalms, they talk about God as this source of life. In your presence, they say, is fullness of joy. God bringing us closer and back to Himself in this work of reconnection is the greatest gift that He can give us. That is at the heart of what we taste in a little bit in Exodus 24, but we see more fully in Jesus. And the question that sits with all of us is, are we living fully in the reality of this new covenant? In this bond? Is the flow of our hearts towards or away? Is our confidence more on what we do or what He has done? Do we find the trajectory of our lives one of staying far away or one of constantly drawing near? Are we fearful or is there this bold confidence that we have a Father who loves us as demonstrated in the giving of His own Son? The Gospel is meant to give that kind of confidence and that kind of closeness. But so often we do not live in the privileges that are ours freely in Jesus. And that is the invitation. And my hope and prayer is that that is more relevant than anything. This invitation to life, to live in it, to live out of it, because this is what Jesus offers. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray.
Our Father, as we hear those words about life through Your Son, we pray that You would help us to receive them, to believe them, and to respond with faith, with hope, and with love. In Your name we pray. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.